This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. Individuals and businesses with tax problems, listen carefully. If you owe over $10,000 in back taxes or have unfiled tax returns, we can help you take back control. The IRS is the largest and most aggressive collection agency in the world, and they can seize your bank account, garnish your paycheck, close your business, and file criminal charges. Take control of your tax problems now by calling the experts at Tax Mediation Services at 800-600-1645. That's 800-600-1645. 800-600-1645. Entertainment and enlightenment. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Ladies and gentlemen, I am not in a very good mood this morning. Welcome to the program. We'll get into that in a little bit. It has nothing to do with the NFL Sunday that we uh, completed yesterday. My team did win, the Dallas Cowboys. have been a lifelong Cowboy fan. They made it interesting, but won nonetheless. Let me start with an introduction. I'm your host for today, Milwaukee County Sheriff David Clark. You may know me, you may not know me. It's irrelevant at this point. I'm the host today. Let me take care of a couple of housekeeping um, measures first. This is the Glenn Beck program. Glenn Beck is a brand. Glenn Beck has built this brand. He's worked hard at it. He's good at what he does. Every once in a while, he allows somebody to pilot the ship. I've done it before for him. It's an honor to to uh, to be with you this morning and to... Be a part of this brand, the Glenn Beck program. And I'm here to protect the brand. But at the same time, as always, uh, the Blaze has has given me the freedom to express my views. And they may differ from uh, some of the things that Glenn says, not many. And they may differ from some of the things that uh, you believe and, and, and espouse so on and so forth. And that's okay. I don't mind discourse. But I'm here to protect the brand. I know that's very important, not only to uh, to me, but it's important to Glenn as well. But there may be some time, some rocky moments. But I always remind uh, the people tuning in, don't take it out on Glenn, please. Don't take it out on the blaze. Take it out on me. I have big shoulders. I get blamed for a lot of stuff. I get piled on a lot. Uh, that's kind of the environment I'm in. I don't whine about it. So if I say something that rubs you the wrong way or whatever, you feel like you want to call in and, and talk about it, the number is 888-727-BECK. That's 888-727-2325. What's coming up on the program today? Well, first we're going to start out with an election wrap-up. I know the election's been over for since November 8th, November 9th. and But there's a lot going on still. Today's a big day, the Electoral College meets. That's when we truly picked the President of the United States by the Constitution, by the law, and that will happen uh, sometime today. All 50 states will gather their electors, and 
They'll make that determination. If we go by the states that were won on November 8th, Donald Trump should be elected, duly elected, the president of the United States by the Electoral College. But, you know, we're in some weird times and some goofy things have happened and some goofy things will continue to happen. People continue to try to work the electors of the Electoral College. I'm going to talk about that in one of the uh, segments down the road. We're also going to talk about immigration. That is going to be a big issue for this upcoming Congress, the new Congress that will be seated on January 20th as well. And the first 100 days are always talked about, and the president, a, new, a new administration comes in, even if the president's reelected and he starts another term. The first 100 days are important. They set the tone. The first 100 days is an, an opportunity, if you will, for the incoming president to set the stage, set the vision for the country, get some things going. It's very important to get off to a fast start. That's why we have this concept called the first 100 days. And I'll tell you what, it can make or break an administration. If you get bogged down, uh, you will be that way and you'll struggle. So you got to get out of the gate fast. Donald Trump plans to do just that as he's putting his cabinet together. But immigration is one of those things that this new Congress is going to have to take up. It was one of the uh, major platforms of the uh, Trump campaign, immigration reform, closing the border, building the wall, so on and so forth. Uh, and there's some other things that he wants to address in that first 100 days as well, the repeal and, and replacement of Obamacare. So we'll talk about uh, the immigration aspect of it because it's going to be big. And there's many facets to that, as you may know. So I want to hear from you on that. Again, that number is 888-727-BECK, 888-727-2325. Also in this first hour, we're going to talk about the opioid epidemic sweeping America. Folks, I want to tell you that this thing is touching everybody. It is a crisis. It's not getting all the attention. It's getting some media attention, but it's not getting all the attention that I think it should be because we're talking about a generation now of people, specifically young people, who uh, have been gripped by this uh, uh, opioid and heroin epidemic. And we'll talk about that. Also, I'll be joined by Heather McDonald, author of The War on Cops. Heather is a researcher, the Thomas W. Smith Fellow at the Manhattan Institute. She's a uh, contributing editor to the City Journal magazine. She's written several books, her latest one being The War on Cops. And we're going to talk about an article that was published in the Wall Street Journal over the weekend, how Donald Trump can change the rhetoric uh, in the war on cops. We'll be joined by her, and we'll have much, much more. But here's where I want to start. This thing that I opened up this program with saying that I was not in a real good mood this morning. I learned over the weekend that President Obama, in one final move, kicking law enforcement in the teeth, by selecting an individual, Abu Jamal. He's a cop killer. Actually, he didn't appoint Abu Jamal, uh, but Abu Jamal's a, a, a cop killer. In 1981, he killed Danny Faulkner, a Philadelphia a police officer who was 25 years old. Abu, Abu Jamal was a uh, Black Panther, and what happened was uh, uh, the officer Faulkner made a traffic stop. A scuffle ensued. Abu Jamal's brother was scuffling with the law enforcement officer. Abu Jamal saw it. He came over. He shot and killed Officer Faulkner. 
Uh, Officer Faulkner was found face up, bullets in his back. Uh, he shot him before he hit the ground, then stood over him, straddled him, and shot him in the forehead. Uh, very famous case. Abu Jamal was convicted and sentenced to death. And then in, in a uh, uh, turn of events, he was granted a new trial because there was an error in the uh, jury instructions on a death penalty. And so they settled the case, giving him life in prison without parole. Anyway, there was an attorney, Debo Adegbele. Debo Adegbele was a, uh, an attorney for the NAACP, the Legal Defense Fund. He was not representing Abu Jamal. Abu Jamal had competent counsel, but he entered a brief into the case as a friend of the court. I'm talking about Debo Adegbele. Debo Adegbele is a straight-up cop hater and a black racialist. Several times, President Obama tried to jam Debo Adegbele down our throats, first by nominating him to be a federal judge and then tried to nominate him. And both of these required U.S. Senate confirmation. Uh, He tried to nominate him to head the Civil Rights Division of the United States Department of Justice. Now, keep in mind, Debo Adegbele is a straight-up cop hater. He's not a good fit to lead the Civil Rights Division of the United States Department of Justice. He's also not... A good fit to be a federal judge. Because, like I said, he's a black racialist. He sees everything through the lens of race. Thinks all whites are racist. The Senate uh, struck down his, his, his judgeship, and then he withdrew, uh, Degbele withdrew his name from uh, consideration for the U.S. DOJ Civil Rights Division post because he wasn't going to be confirmed. Well, in one last move, President Obama put this individual, i got to be careful here, but I said I'm not in a good mood today, but he put him on the U.S. DOJ Civil Rights Division in an appointment that's going to last six years. A kick in the teeth to every law enforcement officer in the country. This is who Barack Obama is. Barack Obama is also a straight-up cop hater. I've said that before. I've said that on TV nationally, and people would ask, do you really believe that President Obama is a cop hater? And I'd look him right back in the eye and go, yes, I do, and I can prove it. And I'd go on to state these instances. This is just one. But you remember the Cambridge, Massachusetts case uh, where a friend of Obama's was uh, arrested by Cambridge police and... Obama said the police officers acted stupidly in arresting his friend. No, they didn't. They were doing their job. That started it. Obama was also very intricate in starting the war on cops. So we'll see how this goes. I think uh, incoming U.S. Attorney Jeff Sessions would do well to find a spot if they can't stop this this move. Find a spot in some corner office and have Debo Adegbele counting paper clips. That's kind of what needs to happen. We're going to take a break on the other side. We're going to come back and we're going to talk some post-election wrap-up. I'm Milwaukee County Sheriff David Clark. This is the Glenn Beck Radio Program. The Glenn Beck Program. The fusion of entertainment and enlightenment. The Glenn Beck Program. Mercury.
Individuals and businesses with tax problems, listen carefully. If you owe over $10,000 in back taxes or have unfiled tax returns, we can help you take back control. The IRS is the largest and most aggressive collection agency in the world, and they can seize your bank account, garnish your paycheck, close your business, and file criminal charges. Take control of your tax problems now by calling the experts at Tax Mediation Services at 800-600-1645. That's 800-600-1645. 800-600-1645. Welcome back to the program. I'm your host for today, Milwaukee County Sheriff David Clark. This is the Glenn Beck program. I'll be with you tomorrow, too. I don't know if that's going to be good or bad news for you who've joined us today. I think it's going to be good news, but I'll let you know that as well. Two days so I can get some stuff going here. Uh, let me do a little self-promoting before I get into the first topic, which is going to be the uh, some post-election results. You can follow me on Twitter, at Sheriff Clark, and that's C-L-A-R-K-E. Don't forget the E, otherwise you might get some other Twitter handle, and you look and you say, what the heck is this? Uh, that's the good stuff, folks. That's the stuff the the national, uh, the liberal media pays attention to, and they look every time I put out a tweet to try to contort it into something that I did not say. Uh, but that's okay. But it's at Sheriff Clark, C-L-A-R-K-E. Also, I have a blog. You can follow me on my blog, and it's the People's Sheriff at Pathios.com. Pathios is P A T H E O S. I also have a book coming out. My first book is going to be coming out in March of 2017, but you can pre order it now at Amazon or you can go to Barnes and Noble and uh, get your pre order in. What's this book about? It's called Cop Under Fire. As you may know, we've become an increasingly divided and polarized nation in recent years. You have growing racial tension. You have animosity toward law enforcement professionals, government corruption, and disregard for our constitutional process. And there's no easy answers to these. Uh, This book is not just going to be a recitation of of things that are uh, problematic in America. I don't say wrong in America, but we have some problems, we have some issues, but it's not just going to be the same, you know, here are the issues facing America. But what I try to do is take those things that deeply affect us, and I point out in this book, Cop Under Fire, how can we, we can rise above this, these current troubles and these issues, and we can truly become that great nation in pursuit of liberty and justice for all. So again, that's Cop Under Fire at Amazon. And Barnes & Noble, you can pre-order that. If you have a law enforcement friend, if you have a law enforcement officer retired or current in your family, uh, it's going to be a must-read. If you, um, Even citizens in general, uh, it's going to be a fascinating book, not just because I wrote it, but it comes from the heart. And anybody that has listened to me over the last, I don't know, three, four, five years, you know I speak from the heart. I don't pull any punches. I don't hold anything back. I just tell you the way I see it. Am I right on everything? Of course not. Do I have all the answers? <laughs> not hardly. However, I put it to you straight. Straight talk is what you're going to get from me, unvarnished. Then I offer some things uh, that are food for thought for a way forward. Now let's get into this post-election, presidential election, 2016. Happened on November 8th. 
A lot has been said about it. Much has been talked about, uh, but you haven't heard my perspective on this thing. Uh, we may differ a little bit on some of the things here, but like I said, I don't shy away from that. I believe discourse, differing points of view, different schools of thought. I believe that stuff is healthy in a democracy. We should be able to politely disagree, some spirited discourse back and forth, nothing wrong with that. I love that. Like I said, I think it's healthy in a democracy. And it shouldn't denigrate into the name-calling and the some of the other things that it does when people differ with somebody else's views. Let's just have an educated conversation and skip all the other stuff. You know, I mean, if you say something... Uh, For instance, if somebody has different views on gay marriage, all of a sudden you're a uh, homophobe. You know, if you uh, believe that the United States is a Judeo-Christian nation, not to the exclusion of any other religion, I did not say that. But if you believe that uh, the principles that this country are founded on were Judeo-Christian, if you believe that, then you're an Islamophobe, right? That's what it denigrates into. And you can go on and on and on. You're a racist if you um, believe in the Constitution, the rule of law, the founding fathers, the history of this nation. You're a racist. And that's what everything seems to end up, where everything seems to end up. And it's very unfortunate because, like I said, with critical thought, you know, we truly can move this nation forward and become this this shining city on the hill uh, that I believe we already are. But um, um, we've gotten away from some concepts that have grounded this nation and, and led it to be that shining city of the, on a hill. But if we just allow people to shut down views that we don't agree with, it's not going to be uh, very good. But, you know, in the post-election, I look back, and I supported Donald Trump for president of the United States. I supported him after the primary. I stayed out of uh, endorsing anybody in the primary, Republican primary I'm talking about. First of all, I'm not a member of the Republican Party. I'm not a member of the Democrat Party. I run as a Democrat uh, sheriff in Milwaukee County. I'm elected as a Democrat, but I don't belong to a political party. I don't believe in belonging to a political party. If you do, that's your business. Don't care what your politics are. It's neither here nor there. But that's why I did not endorse in the Republican primary. I wanted the people, we the people, the, the members of that party to select a candidate. So I stayed out of the way. I had numerous candidates ask me to endorse them in the primary. I stayed out of it. I I made it clear. I'm keeping my powder dry, but I made this clear to whoever comes out of this process as the nominee for the Republican Party, I will back, and I will back 100%. Folks, I'm a man of my word. And when I say something, you can take it to the bank. So uh, Donald Trump obviously was the victor, and he came back around to me and asked for his support. And I said to him, Mr. Pre- I wasn't president at the time, I said, Mr. Trump, I don't know what I could do for you, but I made it clear I'd back whoever won. You are the winner. I will do everything I can and will fight as hard as I can to help you become the 45th president of the United States. That's how I arrived at my decision. And I just believe that after that process, the convention, which I spoke at, that was an honor, I thought it was time for conservatives, Republicans, libertarians, some independents to put all that stuff aside in the name of the country. That's what I did. And that's why I supported Donald Trump. I offered no apology. I'm just trying to tell you where I came from in that um, in that decision. But you look at what's happening now with this um, uh, this whole process. The election's over. The election is over. 
We have a president-elect. His name is Donald Trump. He's putting his government together. He's putting his cabinet together. And he needs our support, folks, for the country. All right. The left, even today with the Electoral College, they don't want to believe that the the um, election's over, but it is. We need to take a break. On the other side, we'll continue this. This is Milwaukee County Sheriff David Clark in for Glenn Beck. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Program. I'm your host today, Milwaukee County Sheriff David Clark. Thanks for joining us. You know, coming out of that election November 8th, there were many important aspects of why I got behind Donald Trump to become the next, the 45th president of the United States. But I think at the top of the list for me was we saved the Supreme Court. I believe that we'll get a strict constructionist uh, appointed by Donald Trump to fill the seat of the late, great Antonin Scalia. That was huge. If you believe in your gun rights, if you believe in the Constitution, if you believe in the rule of law, we had to save the Supreme Court. That thing would have tilted hard left. And we would have been talking about a hard left United States Supreme Court for the next 30 to 40 years. If you look at the age of the justices right now, the ones that Obama put on, relatively young for for Supreme Court justices, they're going to be around a long, long time. Time. Some of the ones who are uh, getting to that point where they're starting to look, you know, and, and wondering how long they're going to stick around. Ginsburg, Kennedy, even uh, Justice Thomas, a young man by, by, by age standards. But, you know, there comes a point in time where people sometimes just say, hey, I want to do something else. I've served. It's time for me to move on. Would you have wanted Mrs. Bill Clinton to appoint the next three to four Supreme Court justices. I mean, think about some of this stuff, which is why I told people during the process, you know, the people, conservatives, slash Republicans, slash some libertarians, and slash some independents, I reminded them, put all that other stuff aside, think about your country and what's at stake here, and many of you did. But, you know, in, in, in looking at what's happening now, post-election, as Donald Trump goes about putting his government together, he's made several cabinet appointments, I think very fine selections. But look at some of the stuff coming out of the left, the mouth of the left on some of his cabinet selections. Now you had Dr. Ben Carson, who's been nominated for Secretary of Housing and Urban Development. Here's what Nancy Pelosi said. The ink wasn't even dry on the memo, folks, the news release. And here's what she had to say. 
quote, Dr. Ben Carson is a disconcerting and disturbingly unqualified choice to lead a department as complex and consequential as housing and urban development. Continued, quote, our country deserves a HUD secretary with the relevant experience to protect the rights of homeowners and renters, particularly in low low income and minority communities, and to ensure that everyone in our country can have access to safe and affordable housing without facing discrimination or homelessness. There is no evidence, she said, that Dr. Carson brings the necessary credentials to hold a position with such immense responsibility and impact on families and communities across America. Now, let me pause there for a moment. Take that quote that I just read from Nancy Pelosi. Take Dr. Ben Carson out of that quote and insert Barack Obama in 2008. You could have said the same thing after the election of Barack Obama in 2008. Disturbingly unqualified, disconcerting, doesn't have the experience, no evidence that he brings the necessary credentials to hold a position with such immense responsibility and impact on families and communities across America. That was Barack Obama in 2008. Folks, he was a freshman senator. He was a couple years removed from being a state senator in the state of Illinois. He was in a state legislature, and now he assumes the presidency because he won the election. You may not have voted for him, but you know what? He won the election. But had you said this about Barack Obama in 2008, you would have been labeled a racist. And you know what? The entire liberal mainstream media would have come down on you like a ton of bricks. But no such accusation toward Nancy Pelosi from the New York Times, the Washington Post, the Huffington Post, CNN, MSNBC. No such claim that Nancy Pelosi is a racist for thinking that a neurosurgeon. Think about this, ladies and gentlemen. A guy who understands the working, the intricate working of the human brain can't figure government out? She's not qualified, Nancy Pelosi, to even make this statement or to judge the qualifications of Dr. Ben Carson. And then you have this guy from California, Democrat congressman, who called on Ben Carson to withdraw his nomination as Secretary of Housing and Urban Development because of his utter lack of qualifications for the job. Some two-bit congressman from California is going to stand in judgment of a neurosurgeon. You know the history of Ben Carson. Grew up in Detroit, in the ghetto of Detroit. Single mom who dropped out of the third grade. Worked any job she could to raise her two sons as a single parent. And successfully she did this. And they're saying Ben Carson doesn't understand urban issues? This is fascinating. So we have that going on. We had the riots that ensued post-November 8th. 
George Soros funded, or at least reported, reportedly. We spent millions on recounts. One of those recounts was in the state of Wisconsin. $3.5 million Jill Stein paid for recounts in the state of Wisconsin. That works out, if you do the math, to about $21,000 a vote to recount. And guess what? Donald Trump ended up with more votes than he had on election night. So this is the stuff going on. And now the Russians did it. It's the Russians' fault. Now they've glommed on to this. And because there's nothing else for them to look at, the media, and it's all the media, are trying to stretch and make something fake news, ladies and gentlemen. I'm not here to suggest that the Russians don't try to hack into cyber systems in the United States. The United States does the same thing. Remember the Stuxnet Stuxnet virus? Had to do with Iran's nuclear capability? The United States did that. That's the kind of stuff that goes on. But I think it's an insult to the American people. A total insult. That we the people didn't go out and vote for Donald Trump or that we were influenced by Russian hacking. I don't know if if, if the Russians hacked into the... Uh, I, I don't know. I mean, you're hearing all stuff all across the board, right? They did, they didn't. Who knows? Donald Trump was duly elected by the people of this country. And it is time to put this nonsense aside. Because we have this thing that's very near and dear to this represented democracy. And it's called the peaceful transition of government, of administration. Peaceful. We did it in 08. People that didn't vote for Barack Obama did not take to the streets. They did not blame the Russians. They did not harass electors to the Electoral College. We sucked it up. We said, hey, I got elected. Time to move forward. Doesn't mean you can't oppose his policies and whatnot for the next four years. Doesn't mean you can't oppose or the left can't oppose and fight Donald Trump on trying to get his Make America Great agenda happen. You can do that. That's what's great about this country. But to try to delegitimize it before he even takes office? Folks, this is fascinating. I'm Milwaukee County Sheriff David Clark. This is the Glenn Beck program. We have to take a break. Again, the number is 888-727-2325. It's 888-727-BECK. We'll be right back. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Mercury. Glenn Beck program. I'm your host today, Milwaukee County Sheriff David Clark. Again, the call in number 888-727-2325. It's 888-727-BECK. Talking about some post-election news 
some wrap-up in the uh, November 8th election. Today is a big day. Constitutionally, the Electoral College meets in all 50 states. Electors will gather to cast their electoral votes. Some states, it's by law that if the a particular individual won the state, they have to vote that way. Some states, it's a little more loose. I know in Colorado, the Democrats have gone to their state court to try to get them to overturn their law. This is how the left operates. See, defeat is never final. They're still fighting the election, the Democrats. So they're trying to get a court to overturn their law that says the Colorado electors have to vote for uh, particular individuals. This is amazing. You know, you, you heard me talk about the criticism of Donald Trump's cabinet, of which I have none, by the way, zero. But here's another one. It's from the Mercury News. Trump's White House, how white will it be? So far, all five of Trump's first picks for key White House advisor and cabinet posts have been white men, several of whom have been accused of being racist or anti-Muslim. First of all, if you're on the right, (laughs) by their standards, we're all anti-Muslim and we're all racist, including me. I mean, that's that's how they look at us. That's how they view us. So that means nothing to me. But check out these first couple of paragraphs here. From the moment Donald Trump first uttered his slogan about making America great again, his critics countered that what he really wanted was to return to an era when white men ran the ship of state. It goes on to say that so far, the president-elect is doing little to dispel their fears. Trump's first five picks for key posts were all white males, several of whom are causing chills to run down the spines of civil libertarians. Let me stop there for a minute. Has anybody asked themselves what the people on the left, liberals, Democrats, have against white people? I know I don't. I don't have anything against white people. You notice when I talked about Ben Carson, I didn't call him a black neurosurgeon. I called him a neurosurgeon. I don't view everything through the prism of race. Every once in a while, from time to time, you'll hear me refer to myself as a black conservative. But that's not to point out my race. It's to point out how or why the left reviles me. Because it's bad enough, if you're on the left, it's bad enough to be a conservative. But if you're a black conservative, you're a conservative of the worst type, the worst kind. I remember when Jeff Sessions was announced to be the nominee for the next attorney general. Again, before the ink was dry on the Trump transition news release, Senator Elizabeth Warren demanded that Trump withdraw the nomination. I mean, it was, it was within the first five minutes of the announcement. This is what we're going to be up against for four years. Because remember, with the Democrats, defeat's never final. The fight is never over. Never over. That's why I've likened them to being a colony of carpenter ants. Put carpenter ants in your favorite search engine and look at some of the, 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 the stuff. On. They're amazing. They're, they're an amazing species. They constantly just build the nest. 
That's all they do continually. You can't get rid of them. You can call them an exterminator. You may temporarily slow them down. The ones that survive move on and build a new nest. That's how the Democrats operate. It's never over. So the Electoral College meets today. You have these people in the Electoral College being harassed. Folks, that is a violation of federal law. In its 18 U.S.C.S. 594, it says whoever intimidates, threatens, coerces, or attempts to intimidate, threaten, or coerce, coerce any person who is voting for president, vice president, or presidential elector shall be fined or imprisoned for one year or both. Where is the DOJ investigation? Because if this happened in 2008, there would be an investigation started. Where's the FBI? The campaign's over. You cannot coerce. You cannot threaten. You cannot intimidate presidential electors. But it's going on. Obama hasn't said anything about it. Loretta Lynch hasn't said anything about it. And Comey hasn't said anything about it. This is fascinating. Just, you know, rewind back to 2008. If the same thing were happening, you know there'd be screams by the left for investigations and prosecutions and and imprisonment. I'm Milwaukee County Sheriff David Clark in for Glenn Beck. This is the Glenn Beck program. Coming up on the other side, we're going to talk to Heather McDonald. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Mercury.